please stand. Let's praise the Father and worship God the Son and sing to God the Spirit. The text for the sermon this day is taken from Acts chapter 6, which was read earlier. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This text of St. Stephen seems like an odd text to hear right after we hear about the birth of Jesus. Right after we have the wonderful Christmas carols, and we're still singing some of many of those today because it is still Christmas. Christmas did not end yesterday. You still have until January 6th. But the very first day, or the second day of Christmas, so you know, on the first day of tri- Christmas, my true love gave to me. Today is on the second day of Christmas. I don't know the what they all are. Sadly, I know the redneck version better. But anyways, by Jeff Foxworthy. But anyways, um, but on the second day, we focus on this text. We read about Stephen, the very first martyr, the first person to die for the faith. And I think it's a very, it's very significant that this is where we start. Because the last two days we focused on the reality that God became human flesh. He entered into, He was born of the Virgin Mary, that He may redeem us, that He may declare us His children, that He may declare us heirs of paradise. As we read yesterday in the Christmas, I know Christmas morning was just yesterday. And so if you yesterday, we read from John chapter 1. He says that to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. And we even say, I even say that in the declaration of grace every Sunday morning. Well, whenever we use it. And I, I basically quote from that verse. And so we are... Heirs of God. We are His children. But as I've mentioned in times before, I love using this little line from uh, Gary Teese. And I'm really kind of thinking that it would be a good idea to like start using like themes for an entire year. Like a year, there's an the- overarching theme for a congregation setting a goal. And I think that would be a very good goal for 2000. Uh, 16. If you're looking for a good New Year's resolution, the New Year, good New Year's resolution is to be not normal. That is what a Christian is going to be. When we are redeemed, when we are chosen to be God's children, when we are claimed by Him in the waters of baptism, we are to become very different people. 
We are to be not normal. And you can look at St. Stephen as the, the good example of this. Now, Stephen was not a pastor. He was not a prophet. He was actually more like an elder. In fact, just before this text, you read the comment of the, the disciples saying, it is, we should not be waiting on tape. We should not be neglecting the preaching of the gospel that we may wait on tables. Well, see, the reason why we have a church council, you know, we have trustees, we have the, the president we, of the congregation, we have elders, we have all those things, is so to make sure that the pastor can keep doing what he needs to do and the church keeps operating. This idea came from the book of Acts. There were several people that were selected out Stephen being one of them, to be the one that takes care of those other day-to-day tasks, to make sure the church kept operating good. But Stephen, again, like I said, the first, the first martyr, it's not Peter, it's not, it's not John or James, any of the apostles, it's one of the, basically, one of the elders. And he's called to stand before the Sanhedrin. The, the, the high council, the high court of the, of the temple of, of Judaism. And he stands before them, accused of rejecting the laws of Moses, speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. Now one of the things that's kind of interesting is to take what happens in Acts with Stephen and by the way, Acts is written by the evangelist Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So it's kind of interesting to compare this to, to Jesus' trial. Because it says here that it says, they, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never seeks to speak words against this holy place and the law. If you, you're familiar with the Good Friday account, you might remember that one of the charges they made against Jesus was they say, ah, he said he's going to destroy the temple. Not realizing that when he said that, he was talking about his body. But nonetheless, they brought that tra- charge against Jesus. Stephen is having that charge brought against him. And remember, the Sanhedrin, these are his religious leaders. He, in order to have been brought before trial... He had to decide, be willing to go against the flow and the ideas and the thoughts of his people. He was not of the popular opinion anymore. That's why he is brought before them. And so he stood there, and, and this is where it's a little bit different from Jesus' trial, but he retells everything that happened in the Old Testament. Although it is kind of similar to Jesus when he's walking on the road to Emmaus and he talks to the two, you know, the two disciples. And they're like, have you not heard what happened? 
And Jesus opened up the scriptures to them, explained what happened. Here, Stephen is doing the very same thing. Which, think about the incredibleness of this. This is a guy that, like I said, it's like an elder. He is standing before the Sanhedrin. So think of it, this in modern context, this would be like to go before, you know, President Harrison and all of the, you know, the top, top wigs of the seminary and stand up there and preach for one of, any of you guys to stand up there and preach to them. That's what Stephen is doing because they have so missed the boat. And yes, pastors can miss the boat so much that this is why you need to know the word of God to be studying it. So when the pastor starts missing the boat, you can stand up and say, hey, I think you're a little off here. So Stephen stood up there and said, you, you have murdered the Christ. And he went through the, all these events of the Old Testament, explaining to them how this was fulfilled and told them of how they had rejected God's prophets in the past. And then there's this line that Stephen says, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know, we sang that hymn twice in a couple months that I know you guys don't like it, but it's lo, lo he comes with clouds descending. That's based off of these words. These are words that come out of Daniel. There's a reason why we sing that is so you could have that wor those words in your head and you could be like you could have the words that Stephen had. Because believe it or not, one day he will come on clouds descending to claim you. Just as he did with Lola Lundstra this afternoon, who passed away at about three o'clock. Jesus, on low, he came on clouds descending and said, Come join me. This is the words that Stephen said. As he, and because he, he knew what was about to happen. And by the way, these are the words that Jesus said at his trial. I mean, it's slightly different because Jesus was talking about himself. And when Jesus said it, do you know what happened? The high priest, Caiaphas, tore his robe. And he was furious. What happens when Stephen says it? They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Which, by the way, stopped their ears almost kind of sounds like children. Like, nah, 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 nah. But anyways, that's what they, they couldn't listen to it. And, they, and so they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus from the cross says, Into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. In the Gospels, when Jesus was on the cross, it says that he ended by crying out with a loud voice. But here it actually says what he says. Stephen says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And after Jesus had his loud voice, he breathed his last. After Stephen had cried this words out, he fell asleep. 
incredible the similarities, isn't it? And the reason why they're so similar is because the word I kind of like to use to express this is that Stephen is an echo of Jesus. I mean, think about what an echo is like. An echo is never as good as the sound, the original sound. But it still carries many of the qualities of it. Have you ever been in a place where there was a really good echo and you just kept on trying? You just kind of started playing around with it? And it's kind of neat to hear it, but it's never exactly what it sounds like when you spoke it? An echo's not quite the quality, but it's still very similar. So Stephen is an echo of Jesus. Because he is a child of God. He was baptized into Christ. He was claimed to be his child. And by consequence of that, he became an echo of Jesus. Began to bear the marks and signs of one who is being molded like Jesus. When you are baptized into Jesus, you too become an echo. You are being molded, you are being formed into becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And to be like Jesus on this earth is to suffer that. Stephen is the pretty much one of the probably the best example in all of scripture what it means to be made in the image of Jesus. And let's face it, we live in a world that every day is getting more and more hostile to Christianity. More and more people are going to start turning from the faith. It's easy to kind of overlook it, pretend it's not there. I mean, here we kind of, you know, living in northwest Iowa... I don't know if you know this, but like Lyon and Sioux County actually have the highest Christian population out of any county in the entire United States. So we are in a very, very Christian area. And it's so easy to begin to become, you know, kind of forget of what's going on in the world. And we think, well, okay, that's problems in other parts, but that's not going to come to us. See, even though Lyon County... It's one of the most Christian counties in the entire United States. How far is that from Sioux Falls? Which happens to be one of the most atheist cities in the country. How long before, I mean you can see it, Sioux Falls is growing fast. And what happens when cities grow fast? They start to creep out into the country. How long before those ideas start getting closer and closer to Larchwood? And they start getting more and more into our, this part of the country, the state. And Des Moines is also a very, has a very high atheist population. Cedar Rapids has a high atheist population. In fact, Cedar Rapids is one of the top ten least Christian cities in the entire country. The two biggest cities, the three, and then St. Paul, Minnesota... Sorry, this keeps going a little wacky here. But St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota, in one of the, it's like in the top five 
most unchristian cities in the country. Most atheist. So think about that. The four closest major cities to us. I suppose, I think Omaha is pretty far down the list. So Omaha, I guess, is a little bit safer. But the rest of them that are near us are going down that road. How long before those ideas infiltrate us? I've heard some of the ideas starting to come into the mindset and the thinking of our youth, of the high schoolers in this area. Do you know why? Because they don't no longer have to go to college to get these ideas. All they have to do is pull up Facebook, get on Twitter. The ideas are all over, and it's very, very hard to avoid them. And sometimes those ideas are expressed in such clever means. Like, oh, that's really smart. Even though, when you really look at it, it's actually very false. But kids don't know that. They, They don't know how to discern it. So the reality is that we as Christians... If we are standing on the, the, truth, the truth of Scripture, we are not going to be normal. We're going to stand out. We're going to be different. People are not going to like us. People will get frustrated and irritated with us. Because the thing is, even though we have a high, statistically it looks like we have a high Christian population, we still have that statistic that only one in four people who live in Osceola County are in church on a given Sunday. 75% are not in church on Sunday. That means you got to figure pretty good size, many of people, they say they're a Christian, but there's not a lot of certainty that they really are. Because their life does not show it. And it's scary when you see that. So we as Christians need to take the example of Stephen. Like I said, not a pastor. He was a, God, he was a guy that was just chosen out by God and said, you're going to stand up for me. Stand up before scary people. And he did. And we are going to have to do the same. To stand up. This Christmas season, which is still going, is a wonderful time to talk about the faith. Wonderful time to confess Jesus as Lord. Because you see, the reason why Stephen was willing to die is because he knew that the worst thing that these people could ever do to him, the worst that this world could ever do to him, is they could kill him and he would get to be with Jesus. He would be in the place of paradise, where, there is, where he will be far better off than he was before they started stoning him. It's basically like he just got a mansion. The world cannot do anything to you. Because you have the promise of paradise. The worst the world could throw at you is that you could end up being in the mansion, 
in God's house where there are many rooms. Yes, people might not like what we have to say, but the thing is, that message is also what will direct them to that heavenly place, to that house, to that mansion and that is God's home, that, our, that is our home to be. I mean, think about it. Actually, raise your hand if you could think of somebody who does not believe in Jesus. You have people that you know you need to be telling them. I mean, think, I mean, the reality is if they don't believe, they are destined for hell. And that is just absolutely terrifying to think of. I think of some of my friends that I grew up with. And I think about the fact that they are atheists. I tried very hard to break that barrier. And well, of course, it's not, of course, I have to remember it's not my job. God does it. But I think about the fact that I won't see that person in eternity. That's hard. And that just shows how important it is to proclaim the gospel. Because we want to spend eternity with people. We want, we should want to be. We need to be not normal. Because guess what? When people are not normal, when they're weird, you begin to look at them. And if they're weird for long enough, you begin to wonder, why are they so weird? And then they'll come up and ask you, what's up with you guys? And you'll be like, well, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And who knows? Just one of them might hear and go, huh, that sounds great. And they'll join us in the place of paradise. May we be not normal. May we be witnesses, proclaimers of God's gospel until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we sing, Create in me a clean heart.